Hi everyone, I'm Anthony Morrow. And I'm Harley Silbaka, and you're listening to Boom Direct, uh, a show where we discuss our biggest hits, the insides of the comic book industry, first look announcements, and exclusive interviews with your favorite comic book creators. Um, also, this is the finale of Boom Direct Season 1. I can't believe we made it. We did it. It's been... It has been a full year of these episodes. We started doing this... Um, April is when we launched. April? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. God. I mean, we... We, us, in this, on this call, in this recording, have been working on it basically since January last year, yes. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I think, like, end of January, beginning of February is when we started, like, ideating yeah. Yeah. Uh, what we wanted to do with this show. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. It's crazy that we, we have wrapped, uh, or I guess after this recording, we're, 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 we're it'll be a wrap <laughs> on season one. Woo! Um... A little peek behind the curtain, but we've already recorded episode one <laughs> of season two. Of course, um, we have, which we'll we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Listen, we it's, like we like setting ourselves up for success. Okay. Yeah, I just uh, <clears throat> I just think it's crazy. We did it. Um, I know. I'm I'm really proud of the show we put out. I know we had a lot of kind of big ideas for the show that we weren't able to uh, execute on all of them for season one, but I know for season two we're going to try to. We're going to do uh, more of it. Yeah, we're we're going to do sure. more of it. Yeah. I don't um, think you and I are the people who let good ideas we're passionate about go. <laughs> no, totally. And I think I think we don't let it go. We don't. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, and I don't know about you, but for me too, it's just like you know, looking back on this past year of doing this show. Um, just kind of looking at at what what worked, what didn't work, what we can mm-hmm. shake up, what we can change, what we can do to uh, make season two a little bit more uh, a little bit more, I suppose. Yeah, and a little bit more juicy. Yeah, so, I love it. Anyways, uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, Team Boom Direct, both myself Woo! and Harley, and uh, everybody behind the scenes who makes the show possible. Uh, especially to you, the uh, listeners and fans of the show, of the comics that Boom Studios produces, of the creators that we get to talk to. Um, shout out to you for sticking with us for the past year and uh, listening we, and uh, giving us some good usable metrics. <laughs> we we hope you like us enough to keep listening. Yeah, uh, season <laughs> season two is gonna be it's gonna be fun. It is but, gonna be fun. Yeah. Before we get to season two, let us wrap season one uh, with our very last new updates, news <laughs> updates, excuse me, and new comic announcements of the year mm-hmm. for season one for 2023 with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers The Return. Um, I'm sure a lot of you Ranger Nation fans out there are aware of this series and have been aware of this series for most of this year as we've been teasing it since i want to say march um but the original pink ranger the original kimberly hart herself amy joe johnson uh, along with her co-writer matt hodson uh have written a new power rangers miniseries um illustrated by the incredible nico leon uh this is set in an alternate world where the rangers defeated rita repulsa and uh, 22 years later, they have since disbanded, um, but not for long as the issue one sees the band get back together to hunt down um, the Red Ranger who has gone missing. I love an alternate timeline. Yeah, so me much. too. 
so much. And this one is going to be phenomenal. So I think, too, if my math is correct, uh, by the time this episode goes out, our Boom Direct Reserve campaign on Kickstarter is still going to be running for this. So if you want to get super high end, deluxe, highly collectible editions of the single issues, of the soft covers, of the hard covers of this series, that's where you kind of want to go check out. Well, we'll put a link somewhere, but check out the Boom Direct Reserve campaign on Kickstarter for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers The Return. And then, of course, the single issues and collected editions will be available in the mass market, um, I think, in February, at least for issue one. Uh, yep, yes. February. Yep, yes, I'm right. Yes, yes, I was like, I'm thinking of collections. I was like, collections is it till fall? But yes. No, collections, the- <laughs> collections is going to be way <laughs> end of 2024. But issue one of The Return will be in comic shops uh, February 2024. I'm like, listen, I handle the collections. But again, if you're like a Pink Ranger fan, this is this it, this is the series. This is what you want to jump in on if you are a Pink Ranger fan. So, um, And then we also have The Displaced by Ed Brisson and artist Luca Casalaguida. Um, the Displaced is about the city of Oshawa, Canada, which its 770,000 inhabitants just vanish, just vanish overnight without a trace. Uh, slowly the world begins to forget that they even existed. Uh, the survivors who are on the outskirts of the city during the incident begin to forget as well. I love this concept where it's like the city disappears, but the memories of the people and everything along with it. I love it. Fascinating concept. I can't wait to read more about The Displaced. Um, we also announced Grimm, pen and ink number one, which again, I'm super digging all of our pen and ink issues. For those of you guys who haven't picked up any of the pen and ink, it's like the first issue of like something that's killing the children, many of the star, a lot of our big hits, but it's the artists going through with like their notes and everything in the whole like concept of how they did the art. And I absolutely love that kind of stuff. So uh, the Grim Pen and Ink number one has been announced with Stephanie Phillips and Flaviano, who were in our first official Boom Direct episode. So go back and listen if you haven't. Yeah, it's a cool full circle moment for sure. Yeah, and they're the best. I love that. And also like the name of that episode, someone pointed out to me, is called Death and Pasta. What a great title. I forgot, I forgot that's what we called me it. Me too. I did too. <laughs> I had someone be like, ha ha ha, Death and Pasta. And I was like, What? And they were like, the name of your first episode. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, a, another little peek behind the curtain. I guess that's just what we're doing this episode uh, is um, every time we need a, an episode title, uh, Grecia, who is our producer on the show, will just message me like moments before she hits publish on this. She's like, hey, what do you want me to call it? I'm just like, oh, okay, give me a, give me a couple of minutes. I'll think of something. Um, and by and large, it's usually something. Some dumb weird. kind of pun or something weird. Yeah. I love it. Uh, but that is how uh, my brain works. And now you all get to know that too. So listen, you know. we're all weird here. You gotta it's like, be. It's like, it's like Wonderland, but instead of we're all mad here, we're just all weird here. Yeah. Perfect. So, weird land. That's where we live. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we like dive in a little bit more to, to who we're talking about today, really fast. What are you reading? What are you planning to read also during the holiday break? Oh, man. Uh, I went back and reread Sweet Tooth just because that's oh. like my comfort series, which is weird because it's a very brutal, sad series. It's dark. Uh, it's a dark one. Yeah, it's uh, for those not in the notes, um, kind of what put Jeff Lemire on the map 
uh, the Vertigo title over at DC when Vertigo is still around. Um, I miss it's also Vertigo. a live action show on Netflix for those who want to watch it. Very different show, same basic story. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so I've been rereading Sweet Tooth um, just because I I like it. Uh, so you know why it's not? It's a great one. Um, on my to read list. Uh, for the holiday break, I have Truly Like Lightning, which is a novel by David Duchovny. Um, oh, I saw of, him at yeah, a concert of, once. Of X-Files fame. He's uh, a very multi-talented man. Um, he really is. Because he doesn't he also like play music as Yeah, well? he sure does. Okay, yeah. He sure I does. I randomly saw him at a, at a, I forget what concert I was at, but I was at a concert and he was in front of us and my best friend goes, oh my gosh, it's David Duchovny. And I went, David? Yeah. And like, that's all I said. And then he was like, Shh. so I didn't say Duchovny. And so David Duchovny just turned around and looked right at me and just stared at me. And I was like, oh, hi. He, <laughs> as as uh, if I knew him, I did not, obviously. In, in, in my previous life, I, I did some publicity for him and a project he was doing uh, at the time. <laughs> he and I had a very long, very strange conversation about the movie Evolution, which is uh, my favorite movie he's done. Because uh, yeah. I like cheesy sci-fi stuff. Um, and then the other book I'm going to be trying to read over the break as well is Ridgeline, which came out, I want to say, a couple of years ago. Cool. Um, it's the uh, follow-up. I mean, it's un- completely unrelated, but like the spiritual successor to The Revenant. It's by uh, Michael oh. Pimke, or Pimke, however you say his name. Yeah. Um, the guy who wrote The Revenant. This is his next novel. So That's super rad. I So I'm, what am I reading? So I'm reading this one book series called The Test, which is just like really kind of weird intense post-apocalyptic semi-sci-fi um and then i also just started literally like five pages in before i fell asleep last night um stephen king's hearts in atlantis oh hey yeah because i hadn't read that yet and i i've been wanting to so i'm gonna be hopefully reading a lot of that also like i'm gonna be back with some of my family for some of the holidays and me and my uncle like to exchange books because we both like a lot of like post-apocalyptic and sci-fi so i'm sure that i'll pick up another book during the holiday break i love that uh and and before we move on to i just want to give a shout out because we haven't i think it's been a a conscious effort on our part but we haven't really talked about time travel the past few episodes what is Um, wrong with us which was a mainstay (laughs) of early episodes of this series um but Huge shout out to Matt and Tomlin, friend of the show, writer of A Vicious Circle here at Boom Studios. Yeah. Uh, it was just announced that he is writing the new Terminator anime series yeah. for Netflix. Um, so if Which you is- like time travel, if you like the Terminator, go back and listen to our episode where we interviewed both Matson and Lieber Mayo on their own time travel story here at Boom Studios. Yeah, Because uh, we talked we- about the Terminator in that. We did. We talked yeah. about our favorite, like their favorite time travel stuff. And Lee's was Terminator. And Lee like yeah. went deep into his feelings about Terminator. And honestly, like, listen, I feel like one thing that I love that we get to do on this show is like, we don't just like ask creators about like, oh, your book that you wrote with us, which is also cool. I love asking them their favorite things and why. Because like both Mattson and Lee got so deep into like time travel stuff and like were so like open and with us about it. Oh, my God. It was really rad. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it, it was a fun conversation. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Matson, you're killing it, dude. Shout out to Matson, we love you. Matson's Matson's getting stacked. I love it. Yeah, I love seeing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's really great. 
All right. Well, before we get into um, the interview for today, mm-hmm. uh, as we mentioned up top, this is the final episode of season one of Boom Direct. Um, and next season, we have some big names lined up and some big ideas. Ooh. And I guess a tease oh. for what episode one of season two is, is uh, we're talking to Amy Jo Johnson about Power Rangers Ooh. The Return. I know I'm so excited. That was I mean, very cool. It was it was really rad. I feel like both you and I were trying really hard to not nerd out really hard also because yeah. like we both grew up with like the original Power Ranger series. So both yep. you and I were trying to be cool. We were not cool. I don't think we're capable of being fully cool. Speak for yourself. I'm very cool all the time. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Get in the comments, good. listeners. Am I cool? Don't answer <laughs> Is that. Is Anthony cool? Please, actually, please answer that. No, Let don't answer that. Um, but also, we wanted to hear from all of you. So we want to know from Boom Studios what titles you're excited about, what creators you love that we have, and like who you want to hear from and what yeah. you want to hear about. And it doesn't just have to be like what we have at Boom along titles. It could be how the comic book world works, which we're going to dive into a little bit more in season two. That was like a big concept, I think, for us, Anthony. Like we, from the beginning, were like, we want to kind of show everyone how the sausage is made a little bit more, which we didn't get a lot of opportunity to do that yet. Mm -hmm. But I think season two, we're going to get to do that a little bit more. And like, y'all are going to hear us interview like our editor-in-chief, our head of media, like people who actually like make things happen here at boom and who've been in comics for a long time so if you want to hear from anyone else or hear about anything specific email us email yeah. us at what boom direct at boom studios boom studios.com there you go i was gonna say what's the email again but yes it's boom that's direct. correct right yeah it's boom yep. direct at boom studios.com okay yep correct uh yeah no we would we we obviously love doing this show but we want to hear what would make it more engaging for all of you uh, what you want to listen to. How yeah. can we make your commute to work better every first Thursday of the month? So, How can we be more interesting? Hit us up. <laughs> and with uh, that, on, that, on that note. Yeah, on that note, uh, I don't think we've mentioned it at all, but we are no. talking. It's insane. We're talking to Tom King and Peter Griffith about Animal King. Pound today. Which, wow, it was like a big deal when it happened for us. I need you all to know this. Like, yeah. We got the opportunity semi last minute and we were so excited <laughs> because at Truly. Boom, we're very excited about Animal Pound. Like when we first had it pitched to us, I was so excited to hear about this. Um, I think it's a really special book. I think it's a very meaningful book. And the fact that we then also got to talk to them about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't take it from us, take it from them. So, Tom and Peter, here you go. Today we are beyond thrilled to have with us the multi-award nominated and Eisner winning writer Tom King and industry veteran powerhouse artist Peter Gross. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here with us on Boom Direct. Yeah, seriously, um... We just got to read the first issue yesterday of your new book, and we're very excited. <laughs> Thank you. That sounds well, great. Yeah. I haven't even read the first issue. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't read it at all. That's, I mean, 
I guess technically you didn't read it. Because you wrote it's it. It's really impressive because I'm just finishing the last page today. So <laughs> we, uh, we, we have the ash can that yeah, we passed around can. internally. Um, and then uh, I think a handful of us have had the privilege of getting to read uh, Tom's scripts for the first three issues uh, while we develop some internal marketing stuff for it. So. And you're like, uh, that's a lot of words, Tom. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. It's very dark. It made me just need to sit and just ponder life in existence for about 20 oh. minutes after I finished the script. So after after reading the ash can, I'm actually house sitting a dog with a dog right now. And so after reading it, I just like looked at her and I was like. So is this how you think? I, I mean, my my college <laughs> job was working at a kill shelter. Uh, oh, well, yeah, so it's like it's no very cash. much. I'm just like, oh my god, this is. I'm having flashbacks when I was in my early twenties. <laughs> I, um, I I took my kids to a to as like a research trip to to a pound that the whole structure is based on. Well, Peter's done his own thing to it, but like we we like went to the DC pound and like look around, took pictures, and and for some reason I decided I wanted to pretend we were. Look, I didn't tell them I was doing research. I, my old, it's like my old CIA thing. Like, don't tell the truth. Like, then they'll know. I thought, I don't know, I'm sure. hiding. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we're interested in a dog or a cat. My kids are like, we're lying. They were so freaked out by me telling them a lie. And, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to donate like a bunch of money at the end. You know, it'll be okay. And so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was disturbing and also a little, a little wonderful being in a pound because it was a much nicer pound than the one we have here. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I I saw the pictures you sent and I thought we need more bars and more locks. That's just a, a little less humane looking. Yeah, bar, bars and locks are what I remember, and I absolutely remember like the walk taking the kittens to like the cat room where they can just stretch oh. and play. And we like, I'm like, oh my god, like this this whole layout, everything, it rings so true to what a, a shelter looks like i i i looked up like uh lobbies and stuff for uh animal shelters now and, and there's some really high-end uh oh. beautiful places yeah i mean it's, it's like yeah in la there's like there's one that i've like applied to a few times for different dogs and you have to like apply you have to apply and you have to come meet the dog and have like a meet with whoever lives in your household too with the animal before they'll even let you considering or excuse me they consider letting you adopt the dog i was like man i was like this is so many more steps than I, like hey i support that but i was like this is a lot of steps do we do this much to make sure that people are good having kids <laughs> i feel like <laughs> yes, there's some no, backwards stuff. so um yeah, but, not. Yeah. but let's go ahead and let's just like dive right into it so uh tom what made you look at Animal Farm and think, yeah, I could do that, or more concisely, um, how are you updating the framework of what Animal Farm is for our modern day political failings? For the record, I never looked at Animal Farm and said I could do that. That was- <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we wanted to know, we wanted to know. The exact opposite is more true. I looked at Animal Farm and said, I can't possibly do that. Tom, give up, this is too scary, don't do it. And then I did it anyways because I'm an idiot. So yeah, that, it was it was the it was the opposite of that. I um, and I, I wanted to talk about sort of um, you know the extremism today. You know, after January sixth, I live in the Capitol Hill. I saw January sixth with my own eyes as I was walking my dog, which is perfect for Animal Pound. Um, my dog was unimpressed by the entire phenomenon. Just for the record, she mm-hmm. mostly wanted to smell the grass. Um, <laughs> I, 
I have, I have some great photos of my, of my dog at the revolution. It's ridiculous. Um, we have to see those. I also, I'll, 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 I'll send them. You can in the background, you see people charging in the Capitol and there's Roxy and she's just like, what, what, why did we stop walking? We want to keep going. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, I, I wanted to, um, to, to write about sort of that phenomenon. And at, this, at the same time, you know, I've always been an admirer of Animal Farm, um, but Animal Farm is a great, you know, it's, it's been, it's marked our culture. It's been a, it's been a very impactful book. It's one of those books that actually, you know, has change attached to it in that it has presented a, a clear warning to the Western world that like the ideals of communism can lead to fascism as they did in Stalin's mm. Russia um, and in Mao's China. Uh, and, but that, that warning, that sort of loud shout of Animal Farm did not seem to apply to the problems we are facing today. And the, the people invading the capital were not like, oh, we're going to form an ideal communist society and, and, and distribute bread to each other. They were, they were doing something different. They were being manipulated in a different way. They were taking advantage of compromises that this country made in order to get along, um, in order to underground the whole ideals of the country. Um, and so I wanted to make something that was, again, not as good as Orwell, but just to make, I, I can never make something as good as Orwell, but I can try. So I wanted to try to do what he did um, and, and, and take a shot at, at do, doing a more modern take of sort of, here's, that's not the threat that faces us today. Here's the threat that faces us today in an allegorical way, the same way he Peter, how did Tom convince you to come along for the ride? And on top of that, how have you approached the story and the characters? Well, he didn't have to do any convincing. <laughs> when, when Boom approached me and, and said it was a project with Tom, I, w I was probably 80% on board then. Um, just 80, just 80% though. Yeah. It'll be some More. sad guy I, I, looking at something. I, 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 I'm at a point where I was taking time off from work and, and I was just doing home remodeling and stuff. So I, I, I really wasn't interested in working uh, right now. And, uh, but I was like, well, Tom King, you know, what's the project? And, and as soon as I read it, I, 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 mean, I was on board. That's like, how can you live through this time right now and not want to express something about it? You know, and, and, yeah. you know, I'm not a big protester. I'm not putting signs in the front yard and stuff. You know, I mean, what I do is make comics and, and the chance to have something to say with a comic, um, something you can't pass by. I, that's something you you interesting you said earlier that like comics are propaganda to you um is that for good or ill what how are you bringing that mentality to to animal pound well i i kind of bring that to every comic i do i, I mean it, it, you know and maybe it's true with every media is propaganda but you know it's manipulative you're trying to convince i mean you know I, i'm not really interested in telling stories about what I believe to people who believe it, the exact same thing I do, you know, right. uh, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I hope something like this can be a little more subversive and, and, and get under people's radar, you know, or something and, and, and maybe have them look at something, you know, from a more allegorical point of view and say, Oh yeah, that is kind of fucked, isn't it? You know? Um, but I, I think just by their nature of what comics were, I think they're a very propagandistic medium. Um, and I think they should be. And I think, mm -hmm. and I think that 
writers, you know, often they, they're not thinking about what they want to tell with the story. So all they're doing is propaganda about their own insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> well, art is supposed to and who needs life. that, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't art. don't don't worry, Peter. It's still about my insecurities. It's for you. <laughs> but there's a layer of something more there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just there's just a little extra. Yeah. I mean, art reflects life. So I'm so glad that animal pound reflects your life, Tom. I don't know how. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. No, no. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's a real dilemma. For you. I, I mean, I have a kind of a solid rule for all of my writing is that like I don't like comics that read like somebody's Twitter feed. Like I don't like comics that yell. <laughs> like, like that's what I mean. When Twitter used to be a thing, but like. I, I like stories. I don't like lectures. Um, right. Yeah. I, 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 I don't want to read, like you're saying, someone's like, that, that just tells me something obvious or you're obvious. And even like, I, I, um, you know, I, I went to a college and I, I, but I, I don't know if I have any like deep philosophical thoughts that I could spread. You know, I was a philosophy major and I, I always wondered when I was a philosophy major, why, why, um, why read literature? Like I didn't, I, I totally did not understand it. I was like, I was like, everyone reads literature to get like messages about, you know, how to live their life. But then philosophers actually just talk directly about it instead of talking around it with stories. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got, you know, older and mature that I realized that like, there are things our words can't get at. There, there are uses that, that stories have uses that beyond words where you can talk about things that you can't express in a Twitter feed or in a, um, in a lecture that a, that a story can can hit you in a powerful way that hits you on a gut level that that no actual just sort of like this is what i believe will ever hit you at um so yeah so this i i, I i'm still feel like i'm not violating that rule of like this is not just me ranting me like this is my political beliefs this is why you should vote like i don't want that's not what this book is about uh, this book is isn't is an allegory that applies hopefully to this moment but also to many moments throughout history both in the past and the future yeah, and in yeah, you, you have to you have to sneak the ideas in and, and not you know <laughs> I mean you know as an example of like the subversive part of comics that I love is like my favorite compliments I ever get is when I read that someone hates my artwork but they love this comic <laughs> 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 and it's like oh you know you love you love me you don't know it <laughs> but you do. <laughs> Do you know yeah, how? Yeah. Also, do you know how comics works? <laughs> like, especially. I have to say, I, I was like that with Jack Kirby when I was a kid, though. I hated his artwork, but I loved all his comics. Yeah. But it Kirby took me a long time king. to realize what a genius he was. Kirby is king. I I think I think that's the the thing about it too is is Tom kind of like what you were saying is like all those all those reviews are people's gut feelings of like I like this comic I can't explain why and there's aspects of it I don't like but like overall this is doing something to me viscerally. That's the kind of stuff I personally like to see in reviews because it's like uh, it's it touched you on a visceral level and that is meaningful. And I love art that makes you feel something like that's not the only point of art, but that's one of the points, right? Like, so yeah, well, and especially when you're doing storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the in the Orwell novel itself, uh, the farm is like very like representative as like a character providing an allegorical message of abundance and, and how it's controlled. So um, talking about messages, what role does the pound play in Animal Pound? Now that we know it needed more bars, <laughs> specifically. I mean, I, I think it very much does. Uh, uh, I mean, the way Tom wrote it, 
and I had to draw it a little differently because I thought he had too much, you know, he had a real emphasis on doors and locks, you know, but almost like I can't draw that many door and lock panels and still get everything in, you know, but I, I, had, to find, <laughs> I had to find a way and create that sense of those beats, um, you know, but, but it's like very much that environment, you know, that idea of doors opening and closing and mm. holding you out and chaining you in, you know, and, and I think as the story moves forward, Further, there's some very uh, clever use of, of the environment to kind of echo our culture um, in, in ways that I didn't expect when I, I was kind of like, how is he going to pull, you know, how is he going to justify this or that? And then, and then he did it later in the script. And, and I thought this, you know, very uh, clever and elegant way <laughs> of doing these things. So, so it's very much a microcosm. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's exactly. Peter said it better than I'm going to say it, but uh, the, I mean, it, what's interesting about it to me is it, 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 it's their prison and then it becomes their home. Um, and then at the end, it's going to become their prison again, right? I'm mm. not a spoiler. This is obviously based on Animal Farm. It doesn't have the happiest of endings. Um, so yeah, th that that transition of, you know, of, of a place from, you know, a place of horror to a place of hope to a place of horror again, I think sort of, you know, echoes our sort of creation myths of like you start in a place of bad you build something good but then the, the parts that you make to build the good become bad again so that that's all built into the pound yeah because i will say when um we read the ashkin yesterday i was reading it going oh my gosh because I, I hadn't thought about it for some reason you know how maybe because i had cats who could open doors uh where it was like one of the big themes the beginning was like the reason that they have power over us the humans is not because they're smarter than us it's not because they're better than us. It's because like, basically they can use doors and locks. Like they can have a doorknob and a locks. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh my gosh. And again, I looked at the dog and I was like, Sophie, it's true. <laughs> but like, <laughs> just looked at me like, of course not. Um, but it was very like, I hadn't thought about that. And it's like that representation of power and that, and using that as like a symbol, I was like, Oh man, I was also watching really dark stuff last night too. After reading, but anyway, it's a big thing. Well, and, and as a symbol, it's interesting the way Tom used it because to us, doors are a symbol of openings, you know, and, and to the animals, it's, it's the exact opposite. Mm. You know, it's a symbol of limits. Um, yeah, which which is a way I I think I don't think humans think of doors at all. You know, no, I was going to say doors for me. It's it's always like the 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 presenting you with the opportunity of something new of, of a of a new journey of a new story of a new outlook i think part of that is from reading way too much stephen king as a child and getting really wrapped up in the dark tower mythos and the the power doors have in that um but yeah the 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 very simple thought of like oh this is wholly a, a unique human outlook on doors and let's try to uh switch the 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 mindset about that a little bit is uh Brilliant. Locks have power, though, even as a human. Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I have. A, I mean, I have a little puppy. Not, I have a, a a pit bull mix rescue dog rescued from a pound um, that I spend most of my day with every day. Who's just um, a, a pure joy to me. Uh, but she's a terrible dog. Uh, she, she'll rip 
you know, rip a hole in the, in the um, mailman if you let her, if anybody comes in our house. And so, so we're constantly sort of putting her behind doors and her trying to break out, her whining behind the door, her waiting for a door to open. And, you know, and she's the kind of dog who, you know, when you leave the house, just sits by the door. You, you can leave the house for, not that we ever would, but if you left the house for eight hours, she wouldn't leave sitting by the door, just looking at it, being like, when is that door going to open so they come back <laughs> yeah. and give me my joy again? Like her, her whole life is dictated by doors. So it becomes, this is Roxy's little story gift to me that she gave me. That's what this dog does too, though. When I leave, even if it's for only 10 minutes when I come back, she's so unbelievably excited yeah. to see me and is jumping because the door is open and I'm back. Yeah, that's right. What goes on beyond that door? They close that thing and they disappear. <laughs> I drew I drew a little moment. There's this page with a big panel of dogs um, chasing the people out of the pound. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have one dog that jumped over on a couch on the side and is ripping apart a cushion. <laughs> oh, I love that bit. It's the <laughs> pure symbol of freedom for a dog. Yes. Yeah, completely ignoring everything else. <laughs> uh, well, to, to wrap us up, uh, Tom and Peter, in your own words, why are you excited for Foltz to read Animal Pound? And what do you hope people take away from it? Again, I, I, I've said this before, I'm, I'm not excited. I'm mostly scared of people reading Animal Farm. This is, this, is, <laughs> this, this is the most ambitious thing I've ever done. This is me aiming right for the moon and knowing I can never hit it and yet still getting in the rocket and get it going off. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see if I can pull it off. It's, it's you know, my, my, um, my, my little guy is so afraid of roller coasters, just, but he loves them at the same time. So like, we'll go to, he really wants to go to amusement parks and he goes there and doesn't ride anything. And then there's always a moment where I was like, you got to ride one of the rides, just pick one and we'll go on it. And we, and it's like, it, he has to fight every single instinct in him to get on that roller coaster and, and get on it. And as soon as he's off for the rest of the year, he talks about like, I went on the roll. That, that's how it feels. It feels like my little guy <laughs> getting on a roller coaster. I, I think for me, uh, the most exciting thing is the idea that this, this could have appeal beyond the comic market. Um, you know, to, to people that don't know who I am, don't know who Tom is, couldn't care less, and still might just read this story cold, and and it can get in under their skin and make them think a little bit. That's yeah. what I thought when I when we heard editorial pitch to us about it because I do book market and library market, and I was like, yes, give me this book for that market. Both of those markets are going to love this. Well, so. if it doesn't make it there, it's your fault. Not. <laughs> <laughs> my job right anthony you're wonderful at your job no remember peter it's all my fault it's my fault <laughs> tom's ready to take it all on I'm, all right. i i i take no blame <laughs> for anything tom's tom's a scapegoat on this one for everybody <laughs> but, the, but that is that i mean that is an exciting part of me i spend 99 percent of my time working on superheroes and superheroes can only mm. go so far in their appeal i mean superheroes can't even go so far as to appeal to my wife who lives in my house uh so let <laughs> Like, like to make something that can break through that barrier and, 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 and appeal to, to people who aren't always interested in people in tights and masks is wonderful. wonderful I, I think that's like a wonderful place to leave this on too, um, Tom. Specifically, your kind of metaphor about like, you know, aiming for something that you personally know you can't do, which by the way, you absolutely can. And I definitely think this book is going to hit the moon. Uh, but like still, you know, getting into the rocket anyways, knowing that like, you know, there's a chance you're not going to make it. I think that mirrors perfectly what the struggles of the animals and both Animal Farm and Animal Pound are going through, you know? Like, if there's this ideal, you're shooting for it, and, you know, chances are it's it's going to come crashing down, but, it, you know, 
the journey is about taking that shot anyways, and, and the real success is about taking that shot. But then also the real success is obviously all the uh, Eisner nominations you're going to get off of this book. So, um, And wins, yeah, absolutely. It's it's phenomenal. And for all we know, Orwell stole the whole idea from someone else. Exactly. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. It's all cyclical. Orwell stole the idea from Tom. That's the story we're sticking with. Timey whiny. I, I no comment. <laughs> I can only get in trouble. <laughs> well, with that, uh, Tom Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you have been fantastic guests, and we're so excited to see. Uh, Animal Pound on shelves in people's hands, and I'm personally excited to read the now five issue uh, miniseries that it has become. Thank you, greatly appreciate it. I got to write down the next two issues. Yeah, I got, I got a feeling it's going to end up ten or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep adding. Yeah, I haven't even dealt with the Supreme Court yet or anything. <laughs> I have the whole history of the United States in issue three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone listening. And if you haven't already, please be sure to pick up Animal Pound and the Animal Pound Ash Can at your local comic book shop. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to watch the full-length episodes in podcast form. By watch, I mean listen. <laughs> and if you want to stay up to date on all the cool things we have coming down the pipeline for Boom Direct, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast or follow Boom Studios on social media or do all of those things. I think you should just do all of those things. Absolutely. Uh, remember, comics are for everyone. Which is why we make comics for everyone. I'm Anthony Morrow. I'm Harley Salbaca. And this, and is, this is Boom, Boom Direct. Direct. Nailed it. Boom Direct is produced by Grecia Martinez. Theme song by Renee Heisemeiter. Edited by Michael Thomas. Hosted by Anthony Morrow and Harley Salbaca. Special thanks to Philip Sablik and Ryan Matsunaga. This podcast was brought to you by Boom Studios. 